welcome to Holistic History, The Quest for King Arthur. My name is Jim Frost, and this is episode 8. In this episode, I am going to examine the evidence linking King Arthur to Glastonbury in Somerset. There are two different Arthurian connections to Glastonbury, one legendary and the other archaeological. I will start with legend. Glastonbury Tor is a large hill that is associated with Avalon, the place Arthur is said to have been taken after his death in the Battle of Camelon. Avalon is the happy otherworld from Celtic mythology. This is not to say that Arthur was pagan. In our society, we make very clear distinctions between faiths, but this is not true in other societies. Many people mix ideas from different religions. For example, there is an old saying that Haiti is 90% Catholic, 10% Protestant, and 100% Voodoo. There is also the famous example of the Anglo-Saxon king Redvald of East Anglia, who set up an altar to the Christian god and an altar to Vota in the Anglo-Saxon version of Odin, side by side. By the 5th century, the Britons were thoroughly Christian, but many pagan ideas survived in their customs and stories. According to the story, as Arthur lay wounded, he told Bedivere, the only survivor of the Knights of the Round Table, to take Excalibur and throw it into the water. But Bedivere could not bring himself to throw away the mystic sword, and was to make three attempts before he finally did so, and even then, only after Arthur had threatened to kill him if he did not go through with it. A woman's arm pierced the surface of the water and grabbed the sword. Ancient Celts made many offerings to water deities. The modern habit of throwing a coin into a fountain or wishing well is a survival of this practice. Ancient Celts threw coins, statues, jewelry, and swords. The fact that it took Bedivere three tries to succeed suggests some sort of ritual, as the number three had symbolic meaning. The woman's arm grabbing the sword symbolizes the idea that the offering was accepted. When Bedivere returned to the place where he had left Arthur, he found the king gone. Looking out to sea, he saw that Arthur's body was being borne away on a boat tended by three queens, one of whom was Morgan le Fay. Taken as a literal narrative, this makes no sense. Bedivere was just down at the shore. If the boat was earthly, he would have seen it. The fact that he did not indicates that it was mystical. The Celts believed that the happy otherworld was an island. Morgan le Fay is significant. In the legends, she was Arthur's sister and hated enemy. So what was she doing on the boat? The overwhelming consensus of opinion is that Morgan is derived from the Morrigan, whose name means the Phantom Queen. She was the Celtic goddess of war, and as such, she would have wanted to destroy the Round Table, which was maintaining peace. Not surprisingly, she was associated with the Land of the Dead. Arthur may have maintained peace, but he was also a great warrior, so her relationship to him would have been ambiguous. It is probable that all three women in the boat were her, since she had the ability to appear in three forms simultaneously. According to Geoffrey of Monmouth, the name Avalon is derived from aval, which means apple. In Welsh tales, the other world is often called Isle of Apples. Celts also venerated hills. The Isle of Apples was only part of the supernatural realm. It was not the same place where the gods dwelt, for example. Hills were believed to be mystical gateways to the supernatural. Glastonbury Tor is a large and distinctly shaped hill. It sits on a floodplain. Today, the floodplain is kept drained, but in ancient and medieval times, heavy rains caused the accumulation of water several feet deep, making the Tor inaccessible except by boat. So Glastonbury Tor was a hill that was also sometimes an island, which would have caused it to be connected to the Isle of Apples. I think it was originally seen as a mystic gateway to the supernatural location, but as generations passed, this distinction was lost, and it simply became viewed as the Isle of Apples, or Avalon, itself. The second Arthurian association with Glastonbury Tor is that Arthur was said to have been buried there. Sometime around 1193, Gerald of Wales wrote a book called The Instruction of Princes, in which he recorded a visit he had made to Glastonbury Abbey, which had been built on the Tor. While there, he was shown what he was told was Arthur's grave. During the reign of Henry II, from 1154 to 1189, the Abbey had burned down. When Reconstruction began, a grave was uncovered. 
Inside was found a cross that bore an inscription in Latin. Here lie the renowned King Arthur in the Isle of Avalon and his second wife, Guinevere. Many researchers dismiss the whole story. They point out that the abbey was in need of money to pay for its rebuilding. The discovery of the grave of a famous person could have been used to raise funds. Gerald recorded that the excavation of the grave took place behind a curtain, so it is argued that this was set up to hide the fact that the monks were planting artifacts. The cross is, of course, said to have been a forgery. It has disappeared. However, in 1607, before it disappeared, a topographer named William Camden made a drawing of it. The shape of the lettering in Camden's drawing is not the style in use in the 6th century. King Henry II, who visited the site, is sometimes said to have been in on the hoax and went along with it in order to, to dispel the legend that one day Arthur would return and lead the Welsh to victory over the English. The monks of Glastonbury had a bad habit of making similar claims, saying that both St. Dunstan and St. Patrick were buried at the Abbey. In reality, Dunstan is buried in Canterbury Cathedral, while Patrick's grave is in Down Cathedral in Ireland. There is a minority opinion that I agree with, which says this was not a hoax. Leslie Alcock argued that the shape of the letters is not 6th century, but it's not 12th century either. It's 10th or 11th century. Alcock also pointed out that the abbey went through a major building program in the 10th century, with the main building being extended into the area of the old graveyard. Alcock argued that the grave was discovered then, the cross was made, the remains reburied, only to be rediscovered over 200 years later. The fact that Guinevere is described as Arthur's second wife supports this interpretation. In all surviving versions of the story, she is Arthur's only wife, suggesting that the cross preserves an older tradition that had later been forgotten. As for the, the curtain, that could have been set up for theatrical effect rather than to hide what the monks were doing. According to Gerald of Wales, the coffin was made of a tree trunk, and ancient Britons did bury their dead in such coffins, not something that monks of the 12th century are likely to have known. The evidence indicates that the monks of the 10th century found an important burial of a man and woman whom they believed were Arthur and Guinevere, but there's no way of knowing if they were right. But if the burial was discovered in the 10th century, why was it forgotten? The answer is that the Anglo-Saxon nobility probably never heard of Arthur. As I argued back in episode 1, the people passed on the story of Arthur in their oral, oral traditions, and the legend survived the cultural shift that turned the Britons into the English. But the nobility were Anglo-Saxons and had their own legends and heroes and paid no attention to the stories of the people. They had no relations with the Welsh except by fighting them. But Arthur was said to have been king of all the Britons. In the 5th and 6th centuries, that included the Bretons, who live in Brittany in northwestern France. Breton tradition maintained that Arthur was just as much their king as he was king on the north side of the Channel. The French got along much better with the Breton than the English did with the Welsh. French writers such as Chrétien de Troyes and Marie de France got the Arthurian stories from the Breton. These stories would have been part of the cultural baggage that the Norman French brought with them when Duke William of Normandy conquered England in the 11th century and became King William I, a.k.a. William the Conqueror. This conclusion is supported by linguistics. Names such as Guinevere and Excalibur are in French forms. The artifacts had a varied history. As I said, the cross has been lost. The monks disposed of the coffin and transferred the remains to two wooden chests, which were reburied. No description of the woman's remains was recorded. The man's remains consisted of a shin bone and a skull with several wounds, including a deep gash above the left ear, consistent with the description of the blow that is said to have killed Arthur. During the Reformation, the two chests were dug up and the remains scattered and lost. There was also a sword, which was, of course, believed to have been Excalibur. King Richard I gave that to his brother-in-law, Tancred of Sicily. Tancred donated it to a church in Jerusalem, where it disappeared during the confusion of the Crusades. To sum up, 
I believe the Glastonbury tour was not Avalon, but was originally viewed as a gateway to Avalon, but that distinction was lost over time. I further believe that Leslie Alcock was right, that there was a genuine, genuine burial that was taken to, to contain the names, the remains of Arthur and Guinevere, although it is impossible to say whether this identification was right or a mistake. Next episode, I will deal with something I mentioned in episode one when I said I did not agree with the accepted reconstructions of the political system. I will explain the political system I think they really had. This has been Holistic History, The Quest for King Arthur. My name is Jim Frost. Until next time, I hope you have a great day.